What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Campus to Caching, Week 10 edition, where Ethan Sowers and myself, Chris K, talk DraftKings main slate. And I am going to go out on a limb and say this is probably the coolest, best slate of the season. I think the options are endless, which means I'm probably going to do my absolute worst. I prefer a grind. Those, the grind ones are the where where you can use all the additional information you gather to create good teams. It feels like there's so many good options here, which I think we'll kind of discuss in our flex or fade for the week, where you can kind of there's not really a bad option in some of these situations. So. Yeah. You guys were listening to some solo pods, but of course, here's Ethan and myself. How's it going, Ethan? How was the solo pod? Man, it was it was great. Uh, we back, and I'm I'm excited to uh, have some some dialogue here and not just rambling. That's uh, that's always the the difficulty, the balancing of rambling and dead air with the solo pod. So I'm I'm happy to have you back, man. Well, it's well, I'm glad to be back, and trust me, it was the same way. Uh, I felt the <laughs> same way during it. It's all one giant ramble, but oh, yeah. let's get in. Let's get into it. Um, I started it off right with the fact that I think this slate is pretty incredible. I think specifically yeah. at running back, there's, I mean, we there's just so many options, high volume options, great, great running back option. I mean, it's everywhere, right? So starting at quarterback. I would actually think this is a little bit thinner than most weeks, but I think the options are are still good. Is there a top quarterback for you? Yeah. Um, you know, it's hard not to stare down the barrel with uh, Dylan Gabriel. Um, I am always hesitant with rivalry games, particularly Bedlam. I feel like that's just asking for trouble, uh, getting too financially involved in that one. Um, but I mean, he's the obvious choice. I think he's got a significantly higher ceiling than anybody else on the slate. Um, whether or not he lives up to that is another, uh, thing altogether. Um, but I mean, it just seems like a really nice option there. I, I assume he's, he's number one on your, uh, your projections for the weekend. He is by a whopping 032 fantasy points he is my number one over jordan travis but i think you're splitting hairs like literally uh i think both are great options you know bedlam is always crazy but it is equally crazy for like risky reasons but like i could see 43 40 happening pretty simply you know this i think oklahoma state's got the juice this weekend or this season maybe to to keep the scoring high what a weird game it was last week for oklahoma with the stoppage (laughs) the weather and Gabriel was still great. So um, I don't have an issue or any risk yep. in it, but you know, but he is one of the highest priced quarterbacks. So there's always that caveat with a great running back group. So um, I like both of them. Is there any blowout concern for you with Jordan Travis against Pitt, who just lost by like 50 to Notre Dame? Yeah. I mean, the concern I think with, with blowout is definitely real, especially uh, after seeing Narduzzi's uh, comments last week and, you know, might have just completely lost the locker room if you hadn't already. Um, so that's that's a definite concern. Um, I think, though, it, it always seems like, you know, Florida State has just more ways that they can win that game um, than having to rely on Jordan Travis, uh, which is is my concern. Um, but I, I definitely don't hate it. It's just not one. I don't, I don't see it as any chance that Pitt's able to, keep up with them from an offensive perspective so i definitely cap some upside for me 
Yeah, and it almost feels like there's risk in part because the defense looks like very in line to score, you know, or yeah. create super short fields, which is great. But you kind of need some yardage in these games where you're worried about the touchdowns being diversified. If you look at like how Florida State has played this year in blowouts and how specifically Travis has played against uh, Syracuse, they won by 38 and he had 26.86 points. Yeah. Uh, against Southern Miss, they won by 53 and he had 17 points. 26 points is pretty good. I think you probably need more than that. So I can understand yeah. if people are off of Travis um, based on the blowout potential. If you are not going Gabriel or Travis, are you looking at a guy like Jackson Dart or Jordan McLeod in that fun James Madison game? Who is that kind of the next maybe that, tier of guys? Yeah, That G5 game is such a great addition to this slate. You can tell they probably had like Iowa Northwestern penciled in there and they said, now let's let's throw him a bone this week. Let's uh let's get some G five action on there, um, and I mean that while they simultaneously give us Army and Air Force is kind of kind of wild. But um, yeah, I I like uh, Jordan McLeod this week. Um, I think he's a great option against Georgia State. Um, I'm this is kind of gross, but I I kind of like the idea of a uh, Carson Beck Brady Cook uh, game stack in in Georgia. Um, what what are your thoughts there? Do you have any any G five thoughts, and then go to that uh, that marquee matchup in the SEC? Uh, I knew you were going to go there with Beck. Like once you started that <laughs> sentence, I was like, I know where he's going. Uh, yeah, the the G five game I think is is great. You know, James Madison, Georgia State that has fun written all over it. Um, yeah. I like McLeod more than Granger. He's a little bit priced up, but I, these are those two guys. I think. There's a, probably a little bit more defense than we'd like in that game, more than likely. And because yeah. of it, I'm looking at like maybe I'm not going to be playing the slate more than likely. I'm once again celebrating love and matrimony uh, <laughs> in Tampa, Florida. So I won't be playing. I probably play like one or two big lineups. But if I was playing full slate, I'm thinking five to 10% of each. I think both those guys, yeah. McLeod and Granger, have nice rushing potential. I think McLeod may be a little bit more touchdown potential rather than Granger who seems like he's always gaining four to six yards of carry type. Yeah. But I do like Beck. I think Beck makes a lot of sense. I just wish he had a little bit more legs to him. Yeah. But you know, 389 yards against Kentucky, 338 against UAB, 315 against Florida. Like he's having some big yardage games. And as long as he keeps Edwards away from some of touch some of those touchdowns, he's, I mean, he's got just as much thirty-point upside as the rest of them. Yeah. Do you um, do you think Missouri can can keep pace at all with Georgia? Projections say no, but I I personally like Missouri here. Cook yeah. is like a certain level of efficient that's just hard to project, and I don't you know yeah. that team total is at like sure. twenty. That just feels yeah. bad, right? Like, yeah. I don't know. What do you think? Do you are you? I mean, it sounds like you're pro Missouri, considering you're thinking about a game stack there. So I've I've watched more Missouri this year than I have I think any year, uh, <laughs> which has uh, been a, a journey for me. But I I really do think that they're going to be able to keep pace. I haven't paid as much attention to Georgia. It always seems like they're playing at a time when I I can't catch the actual game and I'm stuck watching a replay. So. I don't know how much of their defensive 
uh, struggle, if you want to call it, has been actual struggle and not just, you know, not focused for the day. Um, I think they're going to come in and I think they're going to play their best football game because I don't think that Kirby's going to let them sleepwalk through it. But I think that Missouri's offense has very much in the same way that old Texas A&M offenses used to give uh, Kirby Smart fits um, when he was at Bama. I think we're going to get um, additional struggle or an additional uh, kind of back and forth that we saw in, in those days. And I think that Missouri has a really good shot to, to knock off Georgia, the best of anybody left on their schedule, at least in my opinion. Yeah, okay. I think Ole Miss is an interesting matchup next week uh, against Georgia, but Missouri is just as potentially able to beat them. The spread is yeah. something like 14 or 15 points. You know, there's two trains of thought here that I'm thinking about with this Missouri offense. They've scored pretty much 30 points in every game. The only game they didn't was Middle Tennessee State, super early. Yeah. Um, if you look at their two biggest games of the season, it was Kansas State in week three and LSU in week six. They yep. scored 30 and 39 points, and Cook's usage was like incredible 45 and 52 touches combined. But if you look at all these other games, they're really low. It's like 33, it's 39, which isn't that bad. Um, you know, 29 against Memphis. So yeah. I wonder in a game like this against Georgia, do they really just like they, they do they pass more? And do yeah, they, I think they just have really hammer Cook, right? Yeah. I'd like to do some analysis sometime this offseason in games that are the, the like the big games for these teams, right? Top 25 matchups yeah. or maybe a lesser team like a Missouri against a Georgia. Do they crank it up and do they just pass it all the time? Yeah. Um, because I subconscious or not subconsciously, uh, I think anecdotally. That's where I'm at, but I, I don't have any proof specifically to be able to call that out. Yeah, that tracks. And I mean, it's always, you know, a little bit of back and forth. You can you can play devil's advocate on, on that, you know, are they going to pass more in those those bigger games? I, I agree. I think anecdotally, it does seem like there's more of a chance that they'll just try and air it out and, you know, take it to the wire. But, um, you know, I, I don't have any data on that either, so... You know, you brought up. Go, go ahead. ahead. This is like oh. when you're at. A, I was just gonna say this is like when you're at a stop sign and you're like waving to the other person to go. I'll go. The best. Uh, <laughs> the best thing about all of this is that we tried so hard not to leave any dead air in the solo pod, and then we get back on anyway. And we get some dead air. Uh, all right, so we brought up Ole Miss as a potential challenge um, comparable to Missouri to, against Georgia next week. Do we think Jackson Dart is a viable option this week? Um, I think he is. I, I mean, when you're playing tournaments, you're always going to have to, you know, have some risk baked in. I think Jackson Dart is, is okay. I'm personally not going to be playing a whole bunch of Jackson Dart. Um, I'm a little bit lower on that Ole Miss offense in general. I think that, it's going to be a, uh, a lower scoring affair than they're accustomed to. Um, but it wouldn't, I mean, it's, it's almost the opposite of a bell curve. I don't expect there to be any in between. It's either Jackson Dart has a great day or Jackson Dart is costing you money in, in a few of those lineups. But what do you think on that? 
I think he's got as good of upside as anybody on the slate quarterback wise. Um, you know, again, you look at the big games, LSU, which is a little unfair because you know, yeah. that, that game was just nuts. Um, you look at like Bama, he struggled. So you see two ends of the spectrum. So which dart are you going to get it kind of goes right with what you're saying, right? It's like, it's going to be awesome or it's going to be awful. I don't have an issue taking advantage of the the pricing. 7,800 7, feels is nice. Yeah. And this, the rush usage, the, 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 the reason why I think you're, you have some valid uh, background behind why you think it might not be where you want to be at. This, this A&M defense is pretty good. Like it's yeah. very good. But if this is where we can find some lower ownership, then I'm like all aboard. Cause I think we're going to hit some chalk here and running back and receiver. So if I'm going to find a way to be a little bit different, this is one way I, I don't mind at all. Yeah, I get you. Are there, are there any value quarterbacks you like that? I've got a few guys out there, but I'm, I'm curious your thoughts. Oh, Kyron drones for sure. I yeah, mean, he's, he's just a, yeah, I think um, it, the usage is just insane. The offense looks better and I'm not that work. Like, I mean, from a, as a Virginia tech fan, I am concerned. I think Louisville is great. Yeah. Uh, or at least great enough in the ACC to beat Virginia tech for sure. But I'm not necessarily worried about drones being productive. Um, yeah. I have a weird one, but I think like Malik Murphy is interesting, similar pricing. I didn't watch the game against BYU, but they just didn't use them. I just can't see them not using them against Kansas State. Yeah. So I'm interested to see if there's a little bit of a increased usage in that game. What about what about some of the ones I did not mention? Yeah, um, I like KJ Jefferson this week against Florida. Um, Sixty. 6600 for KJ just seems like a uh, a risk that I'm willing to do. I will totally admit that offense has been not at all what we thought it would be and taking huge steps backwards compared to what they were doing last year. But um, if they can get up for, for one game, I feel like Florida's a high enough name profile that Arkansas is going to definitely, you know, be able to hold this as like a marquee win in the SEC. Um, but they're enough of a... I mean, they're not huge favorites or not huge, uh, uh, like a behemoth in the SEC that I think that they're attainable for them still. So I, I like KJ Jefferson this week. I think um, Larrier from uh, Air Force, I, I, I like that too, um, playing Army. Uh, you know, it's a, an altitude thing too with, uh, with Air Force, but uh, if anybody's going to be well-conditioned, it's going to be the Army football team, right? <laughs> That's true. You're right. I hope so, at least. Um I, who, let me ask you a random question and I'll, it'll yeah. make sense as to why I'm asking this. Who do you think of the overall slate, the entire group of positions, who do you think will be the highest owned player on the slate? No. Oh. Uh, maybe Dylan Gabriel. Okay. I think. What about you? Do you think Ali Gordon at running back will be up there as well? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. He's, I mean, he's run for like 7,000 yards in the last three games, right? Yeah. So I, I don't know, though. I still think that, you know, I think the majority, well, I guess it's not that high of a spread either. It's only a six point uh, Oklahoma, which I, I, I think is wildly too low of a, a spread, but we'll see. I've, I, I'm much more bearish on that entire Oklahoma State 
team than than others. So I, I, even though Ollie Gordon has been otherworldly, I I have my my reservations. Okay. Well, then this, I think this play I'm about to call out is one. If you think Ollie Gordon is a great high owned play, don't do it. I think Alan Bowman possesses no. a really nice pivot potential for two He's reasons. Basically, JJ McCarthy. So <laughs> <laughs> don't you ever compare <laughs> Alan Bowman to. Oh my gosh! Can't believe once you a Michigan man, me. always a Michigan man. Oh, can't believe you did that to me. Um, <laughs> I think it's a good pivot away from Gordon uh, because directly, right? Quarterback to running back. He's th- his high, he's high volume. He's also yeah. a direct pivot to Kyron Drone, so I think will be highly owned. But also some yeah. of these other quarterbacks that are in that same price range, like a Jefferson, like a um, Malik Murphy. So you add all those percentages up. I think. A guy like Bowman is a ends up being a good pivot to multiple different guys. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, any final quarterbacks you want? Any weird options that you like out there? Mm, I mean, if we're gonna talk Kyron drones, you know, I'll I'll also give some uh, love on the other side of that matchup to um, Plummer. Um, don't love it, but don't hate it either. I think that's a uh, an, an all right pivot. I mean, he certainly has some talent around him, but Jordan can catch the ball in the backfield and thrash, yeah. obviously, and some of those other uh, second, third, fourth receivers are still solid. I don't have any super weird plays. You know, I, I was yeah. surprised to see Max Johnson's ownership last weekend. Yeah. Um, and I think his price is interesting, but he just doesn't run much. And I think just overall their offense isn't scoring a ton recently. So it's not even like he can be TD uh, touchdown heavy. All right. Running backs. I I've propped this group up a good bit. Um, It doesn't sound like you're on Ollie Gordon as your top running back, but who would you consider your, who will, who will be owned the most for you in your lineups on Saturday? Um, I, I mean, I really like Jawar Jordan. Um, the fact that he's a little bit of a salary saver compared to the high end guys, I think is something that's going to be really appealing to my lineups this week. Um, also, you know, Marcus Carroll, uh, volume, volume, volume with him, but he, uh, is a guy who is, is, is decent. I think we'll get a little bit more into that, uh, on flex or fade this week, but, um, between those guys, I think, I, I think those are my, my favorite plays of the week. Jawar Jordan and Marcus Carroll. Is that what you said? Okay. I mean, I think uh, Jawar Jordan's hard, man. He's just such a big play machine. I mean, he just pops a long one, and it just, you know, if you bet an under on him, you're toast in like 30 seconds, right? I like it. Virginia Tech's not really stopping anybody. That's a totally fine play. Comes with a little bit of salary relief compared to some of the studs. Um, I do like Carroll as well. I mean, the guy is like a just usage machine. Yeah. Um, I think to leave the the good info to flex or fade, I think we'll you will say I think we both agree that he's a great option. You like him more than I do, so we'll get yep. I'll give you a little bit of some like maybe negatives in a sense, um, in that in that version there. The other guy, Quinchon Judkins, same thing. I like him more than Ethan. Yeah, I th- I think we both agree he's certainly viable. We'll dig into the the specifics of pro con and flexor fade there but 
My top guy is going to be, yeah, it's got to be Ollie Gordon for me. I mean, he's just at insane levels of rushing attempts and touchdowns. And, you know, if this spread really, if this game ends really as close as what Vegas thinks, then I don't know. I just don't know how it's not because Ollie Gordon runs for 100 and 100 to 150 and a touchdown. He's receiving the ball out of the backfield decently. It just, man, he's, if you don't play him, you have to be scared, right? Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's bit me in the butt before with, uh, you know, trying to find where I think Vegas is uh, a little off, but gosh, you know, six points in Stillwater. I, I think they're baking in the Bedlam madness, Bedlam magic uh, into it a little bit. Um, but yeah, I, I don't see how they're going to, um, how they're going to be able to keep up. I feel like Oklahoma, this is the worst week to play Oklahoma coming off of the loss. I don't think it's going to have a hangover effect. I think it's going to just make them mad and more focused on rebounding against Oklahoma state. So um, I, yeah, I, I, I get the mass love of Ollie Gordon just because of how crazy it's been the past few weeks. Um, but he's not a guy who I think that I'll have in more than, maybe 30% of my lineups, um, which I think is probably going to be under still on that ownership, but we'll, we'll yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, 30%, I would call you out and be like, dude, that's a lot of lineups, but really that's going to be a low number. I, you know, yeah. I just was, I use the solver for uh, my lineups. Um, mm-hmm. Check it out if you haven't, but uh, haven't heard of it before, but basically I threw my projections and I did a quick basic set of rules of what I want. Um, in terms of groups and things like that. Yeah. I got 74% of, (laughs) uh, you know, it's just impossible with everything that we know for him not to project well. So right now he projects at 27 points for me. That's two, he gets two thirds of carries, total carries. So that's 22 carries. That doesn't seem unrealistic. Yeah. Um, And he gets four targets. That may be a smidge high, maybe. So it's just hard not to get to 27 points with all their different baselines of how they act. But the good news is if you fade correctly, I mean, that is just a huge edge considering his price and how high he owned. I think he'll be, I would be really surprised if he's not in the fifties or sixties in terms of ownership. I think he's going to be right around 60%, which is why I'm, I'm not comfortable with a full fade, but I'm more than willing to do the, you know, come in at 50% of ownership. Kind of like the half fade, yeah. Yeah. Well, the good news is, and this is one of those weeks, like I said, that you could make, theoretically, a bad choice and still be fine. Because (laughs) let's say you fade Ollie Gordon, you spend up on Jonathan Brooks. I I think Jonathan Brooks could easily hit 30 fancy points, right? So, I mean... Speak to Brooks a little bit because I have some interest. I don't want to say interesting. I have Texas thoughts, but I'm curious to your take on Brooks before I dig in. Um, I have played against Kansas State in in earlier weeks uh, and been burned. Um, I so I, I do think Kansas State is a defense that, for the most part, you want to try and avoid if you have the opportunity to. Um, I really came into last week thinking that. Brooks was an easy fade um, because I didn't love the fact that he, that Malik Murphy was coming in, but I think I was anticipating Malik Murphy having a little bit more autonomy in that game and, and doing a little bit more of what he does. Um, so 
Jonathan Brooks outperformed what I thought he was going to do last week uh, when I faded him, but he didn't do enough to where I was like, oh man, I'm never fading Jonathan Brooks again. So I'll probably have even lower Jonathan Brooks than Ollie Gordon. Um, but I mean, it's, it's hard with these guys who are getting so much volume and such an integral part to their offense, because you know that they're going to get the the opportunity to do it. It's just, do they show up that week or not? Yeah, it's, it is a hard, uh, potentially a hard game to evaluate because uh, Kansas State, this was a concern of mine that, that popped up really late in the the lineup making process on last Saturday because I was starting to become a little bit too heavy on Houston. And then I realized, wait a second, Kansas State can just milk the clock for about yep. five hours and then the game's over, right? So yep. that is certainly a concern. I totally get that. I mean, they held Ali Gordon to like 26 fantasy points, which is super impressive. Yeah. Um, but I mean, ultimately, he's uh, he's super active in the passing game. I think it's like 16 or 17 catches in his last three. Um, 16 to 20 carries feels like a lock. And yeah. I don't know if we fully saw like the full run of Brooks last week against BYU That's because fair. they were just up a good bit. So he feels super safe to me. The concern would be certainly Kansas State just holding on to the ball yeah. forever. I know you mentioned that you you didn't get a chance to watch the BYU Texas game, but I don't know if you I, I didn't watch it either. But I saw on uh, it was either you know Twitter or Discord or somewhere um, that uh, Brooks got banged up for a, a period of time during that game too. So um, I don't know if that came to play at all. I know he came back in in that, that second half and, and got some extended run. So I don't think it's anything serious, but um, just something to, to be mindful of as well. Yeah. Um, man. Yeah. That, that would be a huge one too. If you know, we saw Le'Veon Moss, who I think is a, is a solid, is a decent yeah. to solid option to kind of pivot. He could, Brooks could certainly 30 minutes before the game or 10 minutes before the game, even like we saw with Moss last week, he's announced out. So definitely good call out there with Moss loved him last week with the matchup. He's a, he was getting 50% of carries or better in essentially the, the three or four previous games. The concern there would be now is they said it was a hamstring injury and who's to say we just find he's supposedly good to go. They came out and said he's fine, but who's to say they don't just do the same thing or go back to running back by committee. So is Moss in play for you this weekend? Man, he uh, really caused a, a headache in, in my lineup building last week. Um, I'm okay with it. Um, you know, I, I think that on a, a slate like this, I think that there are definitely um, a variety of options. So I think more than anything else, it's more opportunity cost with Moss. Um but I mean, if if I'm trusting him that he's ready to go and he's good to go, I don't have any problem, uh, you know, having him in my my builds this week. Yeah, I think we have kind of dropped his usage a little bit just to play it a little safe. And I still get like fifteen to twenty yeah. percent of him, and I, it is the opportunity. It's the the pricing, the savings that you can get by going to him at fifty one hundred. I think yeah. also two people will be a little bit worried about him. And you might see some lower ownership than he probably should have. Yeah. Speaking of guy, I'm always worried about using Travion Henderson. Yeah. Where does he stack up for you? Uh, I like I like Travion this week. Um, the major concern that I have is that this is Rutgers, and 
is Ohio State really going to risk the health of Travion in any way and and run him late into the game? Um, if they're up and, you know, it seems like uh, Chip Trainum and Mayan Williams have both, you know, had some injury difficulties uh, in recent weeks. So Ohio State doesn't want to be in a situation that they were in last year where they're having to reposition guys to bring them into the running back room. Um, so um, other than that, though, it, it seems like in the past, you know, uh, week, uh, seeing him against Wisconsin, they really are willing to give him the same kind of workload he had pre-injury last year. Um, so I, I am not afraid of it in a, um, a talent standpoint or an opportunity standpoint. I'm not afraid of Rutgers uh, by any stretch. Um, and I think that Henderson's usage is enough that he's, you know, getting the running opportunities, but he's also getting some work in the passing game. Ohio State, for whatever reason, can't run the ball up the middle this year. Um, so he's getting a lot of, you know, off tackle, uh, stretching the ball outside. And I think that really benefits Henderson with his uh, explosiveness and his ability, you know, seeing him get back into his game and get back uh, trusting his cuts and things like that um, as the year progresses. I, I'm back in on Henderson in a big way. Yeah, it is interesting how they've kind of continued to jerk us around with injuries. Mm -hmm. um but you know as typically we see with ohio state henderson gets 24 carries against wisconsin after <laughs> getting you know so i like henderson a good bit the mayan williams being out for the season injury is you know i hate that for him obviously but it helps yeah. us in terms of figuring out who to play yeah i you know records doesn't intimidate me i don't think ohio state's gonna really struggle at all but i don't know if they're I don't know. This might be a hot take. I don't think, I think Ohio state's like the worst number one team we've ever seen. Like <laughs> they're, I know they beat Notre Dame, you know, and I know they beat Wisconsin, but like they've looked pretty bad. Like Wisconsin, yeah. they struggled against a backup quarterback in Wisconsin, yeah. right. In a no, in no um, Braylon Allen for the second half. So I think this game could hover around two, two touchdowns the entire game. And then, they yeah. kind of pull out when by 24 at the very end or something. Yeah. So I think Henderson will get some good run. You know, of course there's always concern, but there's less concern with Williams out and the fact that Ohio state's not the, the, the typical Ohio state. Yeah. Um, it's totally fair. I know you're on uh estimate though, right? You're a big Audric estimate fan this weekend. Yeah. I, uh, I'm, I'm behind estimate um, that Clemson matchup, you know, Clemson always has a good defensive line. Um, but I really think that this year Notre Dame has gone up against tough defenses and played bully ball and tried to, you know, outmuscle them on the ground. I think they're going to try and do that again. And I'm not concerned about estimate finding um, opportunity as well. I think that he's one of the best, um, best bets for a touchdown this week. Um, just knowing that he's going to get the goal line work. Um and I think that, you know, Sam Hartman is familiar with Clemson and scheme and all of that. I, I really think that this is going to be a pretty um, decisive win. I know Clemson's gearing up for it because they've, you know, really had a disappointing season as far as recent year and standards go. Um, but this seems like an opportunity for them to kind of reinsert themselves in the national narrative um, and say, hey, you know, just because we've lost a few games this year doesn't mean we're out of it, but 
I mean, for all intents and purposes, they're out of anything that's meaningful from a, a playoff perspective. But still, they'll they'll right. find I'm pride to play in this game, and I I'm I'm okay with running Estime. Um, what what do you think about Estime? And then also, I want to get your thoughts on uh, the Clemson running back situation as well. Yeah, the Clemson one's super interesting. I think uh, that could be a really good spot, and. It uh it just leads to some good game theory about what Clemson will do. But to wrap up, estimate I like estimate. I mean, the fact that he had like a touchdown when they were up like forty five was amazing last week. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's and it like they were he was like not even in the game I think right and then they put him in and then he hit like to score. But yep. You know the total is a little low for me is the problem. That's why he doesn't project as yeah. well. But I think we can put on our thinking caps and say, how does Notre Dame? win this game it's probably with estimate he's a proven has a proven track record he's used in the passing game you know it's hard not to like him uh at least a little bit but you know clemson does have that name of sorts with the defense and that type of thing so that that's a little bit of why i probably won't have as much of him as others uh yeah but Clemson, I mean, Will Shipley, I think, right, in terms of the injury news, it was like a shoulder-neck injury yeah. uh, that took him out of the game last week. Phil Maffa filled in for a large portion of the game. And uh, Shipley's only injury coming away from it is essentially a concussion. I don't see how he plays. I mean, he plays – he's a wow. running back. And I don't know if we've seen a guy come back from a concussion in a week. Sometimes it's two to three weeks that he'll miss yeah. – uh, which I think is a good thing, big picture. But got to remember, though, see... it's the Clemson doctors. They they know some some witchcraft that they're not sharing with the rest of us. So. Yeah, <laughs> I think it, in the moment it's witchcraft, and then like six months later, it's like, man, this guy's so messed up because of it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I don't think Shipley plays. With that being said, then I think Phil Maffa gets a ton of run. Yeah. I like him a good bit, and he is a very affordable fifty five hundred. Yeah, he will be. He would be one of my highest owned players if I was playing full slate. I'm going to build a couple small lineups, a uh, big entry, but only a few lineups, and he will certainly be in at least one or two of the three to four I make. Yeah, if you knew right now that Shipley was 100% out and Moffa would get lead back role, uh, what kind of ownership would you have across your 150? Like 40% probably. Yeah. That's Something fair. like that. I mean, here's, you know, I was talking to a buddy about this uh, yesterday, trying to figure it out, right? If Shipley is out, I think one of three things happens. Mafa, they run the same amount. Mafa is going to get 50 to 60% of carries. And then Dominique Johnson or somebody, like their next highest runner is like 11 attempts. Yeah. Get some run, which meant maybe he's interesting at 4,100, I think his price is. Uh, or maybe Klubnik gets more run than usual. Um, yeah. I think either, then the other opportunity here is uh, they just pass more, right? And, yeah. and then Mafa gets like 80% of like 20 carries, which I think is certainly possible. So those are some of the things I'm trying to figure out are like, how are they going to do this? Do you have a lean on what you would, how you would uh, approach that? I mean, I think they like Mafa enough that they're not going to alter things too much um so i think i think that first scenario is kind of what i'm leaning um where they they run um you know the backup a little bit more um and business as usual for the most part with mafa um 
but yeah, I, I like him. I ask that question because I, I do lean the fact that I think Shipley's not going to play. Um, and I want to approach this slate as confidently as I can in those question areas where I have a lean, just because I think that's where you get, you know, the most edge. Um, so I'm, I, I really like Mafa um, from a, a bargain perspective. Um, 40% right around kind of what I'd be looking at if, if I knew for a fact without a doubt that he uh, gets that run. So um, I, I definitely don't have a problem with that. Yeah, and I think ultimately, no matter how you slice and how they deal with the offense, he's going to get like 20 touches, right? Yeah. Like I just, between the catch, you know, passing game and him running, I could see 16, 17 attempts and then two to three catches, four catches type of thing. Yeah. Um, if it was anybody other than Notre Dame, I probably, and they, if they weren't, I mean, they got to win two games to get bowl eligible and their schedule is not easy. Yeah. If, it, if, if they weren't, those two things weren't applicable. I could see them run the backup a decent bit. I'm just, yeah. you know, Dabo is going to be on the hot seat in a sense, at least in terms of like talking points rather than actual hot seat. And I don't think yeah. he wants that. So I could see some, some really strong usage with Mafa. Um, but yeah, what, it, let's get real cheap. Is there somebody that jumps out of you as a super cheap option at running back? Well, we're talking about all these running backs, and it's going to be all for nothing when John Elridge uh, runs for you know 180 <laughs> yards and three touchdowns this week. But uh, I, I'm always interested in that Air Force uh, backfield. Service Academy running backs are it's whack a mole, but it's it's kind of fun. <laughs> I mean, the guy every week I look at these kind of like different advanced metrics that PFF gives out, and like every week when looking at running backs, like Eldridge plays among the most rushing snaps period, but he yeah. like never gets it's that many carries, <laughs> Yeah, but he is a big, you know, yard per carry guy. Yeah. I, I'm going to mention a guy and it's the same concern both ways. Air force and army are the best teams to know how to stop air force and army. Um, totally. But I think like, you know, this Kanye Udo guy for army, um, I mean, he's clearly the lead guy, 15, 21, and 18 carries the last three games against LSU, Troy, and UMass, and he's pretty much averaged like 12, 13 fantasy points a game, so 3,600. I don't know. Like, I don't love it, but if you're yeah. going to give me a guy 15 carries, why not? Yeah, I, I think that's totally fair. Do we know I, – I mean, I – have not brushed up on my army football uh, in the past few months, but is Tyrell uh, Robinson doing anything recently. I, I know he was dealing with an injury, I think at the beginning of the year and uh, was back in the lineup at some point, but I don't know. I don't know what the deal is with him. He's uh, super cheap as well, but he's kind of maintaining the same type of usage, which is like six, seven carries. Um, yeah, he's he's explosive, but he, he's not getting the volume. That makes sense. Typically, yeah, typically, yes, but his, I don't know, maybe it's that injury still lingering. His yards per carry is a pedestrian, like four and a half, which is like, gotcha. which is solid, <laughs> generally speaking, but for him and that yeah. role, it's a little bit lower. That It's kind of like that Eldridge role, right, where you get limited carries, but they're big plays. He's just, yeah, I, maybe it's an injury or something. I haven't paid too much attention to, to Army. Um, but yeah, I think the cheap, cheap options are really pretty limited here. Yeah. Um, you know, Dominique Johnson, I, I believe that's the the third running back for Clemson. If he was to be the RB2 is somewhat interesting, but 
man, otherwise it, it is slim pickings. Um, yeah. That running back. I'm trying to just real quickly sift through some of these names. You know, if we mentioned Brooks being potentially banged up, if he for some reason doesn't play, CJ Baxter is, I think, an incredible option dunk, yeah. at 4,200. So, yeah, I'd echo that. I think we get a little bit of some value here at receiver. I think ultimately the pricing is pretty, uh, pretty mid range for the most part, <laughs> besides yeah. Marvin Harrison Jr., who is like yeah. rightfully at 8,900. Yeah. Uh, so I think we do have some some cheaper options there. Are you willing to pay up for Harrison at eighty nine hundred this week? Um, yeah, I mean as much as any other week, I, I am. Um, I'm not going to have a ton of him, but I'd be okay with you know a quarter of my lineups having Marvin Harrison Jr. in him, only because I mean Ohio State is Penn State's offense with Maserati. You know, like yeah. <laughs> it's, it's literally the only difference and the only the only explosive option they have. Um, you know, I think I think they have been leaning more on Henderson. Um, obviously, last week they did. Um, but uh, Harrison Jr. is still getting, you know, every opportunity and every look when it comes to, um, you know, making a big play or making a, a, a scoring a touchdown for them. So I'm I, I'm OK with Marvin Harrison Jr. What do you think? Are you. Uh, paying the extra 1600 for him uh i don't i don't mind it ultimately i'm not worried about Ibuka. like harrison is the clear favorite target for yeah. uh you know and the thing is right ryan day is just so uncreative he lacks yep. the ability to think of something interesting and so it's the easiest out from a court in that offense is just chug it to is chug it to to marvin so yep. i like him he's gonna get double digit targets I'm going to boast. I won a, uh, I won a Marvin Harrison under last week. It was under okay. seven and a half receptions. I was sweating. Yeah. Sure. He didn't have like five in the first half. <laughs> Man, it was, it got, it got sweaty real quick. Yeah. Um, but I mean, he's at six catches, hundred yards and a touchdown at the minimum weekly. Yeah. This poses a really good pivot. If we see all these running backs that I think we will see a ton of ownership at running backs. Yeah, for sure. I would be surprised if Harrison is in the teens in terms of ownership. I think he sits around seven, eight percent, to be okay. honest. I, I from looking at previous weeks and the options don't seem as po possible and they're all cheaper than yeah. he is. I think it, it certainly could go that route. Um, it's like is the there a game total on the on the slate, too, I think. It's yeah, it's it is not something that looks super appealing from you know, obviously he's a top three pick or top five pick in the NFL draft, so people know him, but like yeah. besides the game log, there's a lot of reasons to shade away. Yeah. Um is there a guy that he won't be my highest owned guy? Who yeah. will be your highest owned guy? And then I'll give you mine. Um, I'm probably going down to, you know, that not even second, maybe third tier of uh you know, mid-range options. Um, I really love Roland Jamari Thrash. Um, I think that he's a, a great tournament play this week um, because he's got that, you know, quote-unquote tough matchup. Um, but he seems pretty matchup-proof uh, from my perspective. And Virginia Tech, if you told me that this is a game, you know, with actual ACC championship implications, I, I would have kind of laughed, but... It is, you know, they're it's ACC they're, for you. Exactly. Yeah. It's they, they're well in contention. Um, but I think that, I think that thrash is a great option this week. Um, I 
also, you know, Robert Lewis for Georgia State. Um, I can I can see an easy way both of those guys are in a whole lot of lineups this week for me. What about you? Yeah, I, I think those are guys that are all in play. I don't know if there's a guy that really jumps out to me. I think it's partially because of some un, you know uncertainty with injuries, uh, specifically yeah. to the Oklahoma State passing game. Um, yeah. You know, I think Rashad Owens is interesting. Leon Johnson's interesting. Jaden Bray is interesting. It's just a matter of health. If Bray plays and it changes things up. But uh, I will say, you know, I don't know if I would actually roll this, but my projections say Luther Burden is the highest owned guy for me. Um, You know, sometimes you, you know, my buddy Andrew Katz, he's not listening. uh, So I can say whatever (laughs) I want here, but years ago Ron Dale Moore was at Purdue and he had a big day because he, I, he you know Ron Dale Moore was awesome in college obviously but people didn't yeah. use him because they were playing Ohio State he used him because he thought of it as a great pivot it it's was like Ron Dale's career day wasn't it yeah it was a huge yeah. day right you know Luther Burden is going to get a ton of touches um, yeah. a ton of targets just generally and yeah. Georgia's defense is not as crazy good as i as they used to be they're still very good why yeah. can't brady cook throw to burden for a hundred and a touchdown or two right like and his price yeah. is only 6900 so i can understand why the projections point that route uh, but yeah. I, I, I will say it is a little bit scary to see 33 percent burden yeah. considering the matchup and the total I, two, 20 yeah. points i i love burden this week i I, I'm a little shocked that he's your your top option projection wise, but um, I, I see why. Like I, I totally get why. I mainly that thought comes from uh, I, I'm pretty sure you're in on a, a Luther Burden under and yardage, but uh, that uh, well he doesn't need to hit that to be a good fantasy play. Yeah, and those are always different too. And what's interesting too is that line. I think that Burden line opened at like 102 on underdog, and it's. Yeah. It was 92 a couple hours ago. So that changes. I wouldn't be on the under now because the under is at 92 now. But at 102, 102 is just a big number for anybody. Like we like Harrison unders at 102 or whatever, right? It's just a huge number. But um, yeah, I was a little surprised to see the projection and and the percentages. But Jamari Thrash is my third highest projected receiver. I think you make a great point with him. Robert Lewis is my fourth. So you, nice call yeah. out. You were certainly in my um, solver projections. What's funny <laughs> or interesting is that Harrison and Burden are the top two guys for me. And then there's a large gap of three and a half to four points to yeah. Thrash and Lewis. I can see that. I think that makes sense. Um, Robert Lewis makes me a little bit scared just because Darren Granger is, you know, he's a great quarterback as far as an athletic perspective. And he's, been pretty hot against not great competition but he just seems very inconsistent in terms of banking on a great game um and finding robert lewis and i believe lewis had a little bit of a down uh game last week uh if i'm remembering that correctly but you know good spot against a uh, james madison defense it was uh i think you're thinking about two and three weeks ago he had 12 for 97 uh, yeah. last game but before that it was eight for 61 combined that louisiana lafayette game yeah i'm, I'm yep. seeing it now yeah i mean lewis has as much upside as anybody more volume focused because he is such a clear top guy for georgia state 
I think you have some valid concerns uh, with Granger. I think the thing here is right. Like JMU's defense has been pretty good. Um, Really good. Right. And you wonder a guy like Granger does a guy that isn't the most, you know, advanced skilled quarterback quarterback. Does he struggle against a defense like this compared to maybe a true quarterback against a tough defense? So I can see some concern there, but what about his receivers? I think he throws to three guys enough that I think all three of them are in play. And I'm talking about Reggie Brown, Elijah Surratt, and then Phoenix Sproles. Yeah, I, uh, I'm i rolling a lot of Reggie Brown in season-long matchups, uh, banking on some some playoff uh, seeding implications there. So uh, I think Reggie Brown is a great option. Um, Surratt has been a nice surprise um, this season uh, to be able to, to see, you know, some additional options uh, coming out for – for JMU, so they're cheap enough, both of them, that I will have a, a pretty solid portion. I was actually a little surprised. I didn't remember when looking at the pricing the first time that Brown was all the way down at 5000 but um, I will likely have a nice chunk of, of him as well. Yeah, I, those two, Surratt and Brown, are around like 20 25% for me, and then uh, Phoenix yeah. Sproles at 3700 uh, 10%-ish of lineups. I think... It, that's a good route to going cheap Um, when you're 30. If you're looking for something like that and he's a, he's a pretty valuable slot receiver for them. Yeah. What do you think about Oklahoma receivers? I know that you think there's a bounce back of sorts. I mean, they scored a bunch of points, but it was more on the ground. Where do you think the production comes from in terms of receivers? I I think it's gotta be Nick Anderson. Um, He seemed like the piece that they struggled to get involved last week um, until later in that game. Um, and so I think that it should be a priority uh, for them, uh, for Letty in that offense to get Nick Anderson involved earlier in the game. Um, he is, I think, my favorite Oklahoma uh, wide receiver going into this uh, over Farouk. So what about you? What's what's your, your take on that room? I would agree. I think Anderson was non-existent. Because I think uh, Nate had mentioned, you know, after the at twelve oh one, he mentions <laughs> that Kobe uh, Bryant is this stud corner, and I realized I've heard the name. Of course, I've heard the name, and I'm like, <laughs> man, how did I forget that they had a stud corner? I should have like thought about that a little deeper. Yeah, um, and he totally shut down Anderson. So, um, you know, I think that means he's back, right? Like, I think that I'm not concerned yeah. about why he was barely used or why there was a limit of production. I think it just yeah. was a tough matchup. You're not going to get the same level of cornerback play at Oklahoma State. Although I think they have a couple guys that have been impressive and younger. Yeah. They get Farouk the ball, but they like the carries don't do anything for me. Like three <laughs> yeah, carries, right. they're just not popping for anything long and they're not happening necessarily around the red zone. So yeah. uh I think I'm I, I'm in agreement there. They're symbolic um, for all we What's that? I said they're symbolic carries for all we care. They're, yeah, yeah. They're not anything fair. that's actually yielding anything of value to us. Right. It's like, yeah, well, thanks. Cool. But that doesn't really help me. Um, what about what about uh, Eugene Willis? Uh, Willis. Uh, Wilson. Eugene Wilson, a.k.a. Trey Wilson, as I learned watching the Georgia-Florida game last week. Yeah. They were peppering him early. And it seemed like Ricky Pearsall was like the guy. And more recently, it's certainly been Trey Wilson. Yeah, noted uh, noted Eugene Wilson hater Colin Decker 
yeah. <laughs> getting getting talked out of uh, Wilson last week. No, Wilson seems like a a fine option. Uh, you know, I think it's been interesting to watch kind of the evolution of this Florida offense um, throughout the year because obviously Mertz was not the caliber quarterback that they wanted to land on in the transfer portal coming into the season. Um, but they've kind of found a way to get by and to, to do or die with the weapons that they have. And the fact that Pearsall is so much more expensive than Wilson, uh, I, you know, it's, it's hard. I know it's a more of a volume thing, but I feel like Eugene Wilson is uh, more around the price point. I feel comfortable playing any Florida receiver at, at 5,300. So um, I like him. I also am not, out on Arliss Boardingham, the tight end at 4,400 um, against Arkansas. I think that's a uh, very reasonable um, option to uh, to get a little bit of savings there too. Well, we are required to mention tight ends as cheap options. Yeah. So he certainly is one of them. Completely. I can I can name a couple more. What about Johnny Langan as a cheap tight end option? 3,300, I think. 3,200. Does he still have quarterback eligibility on uh, on fan tracks? Fan tracks? I don't know, but God, I if you're using him at quarterback, then we're in trouble. Um, <laughs> who would you Seriously, if Shipley is out? You going Brenning Stool or Boardingham at as a cheap forty four hundred? You said if Shipley's out, if he's out, I'd probably lean Brenning Stool uh, at that point um, because I do think that the one area that Mafa, you know isn't as adept in it's the underneath passing game and, and helping out club Nick, but you know, from a matchup perspective, boarding him should have the easier path to, to scoring some points there. So um, I'd lean burning stool, but you know, it's not too much of a twist in my arm to, uh, to go the other way. Yeah, one thing to note is Brenningstool has eight and ten targets the last two games. They've also thrown it a little bit more just based on like the the game itself. So I'm curious, you know, percentage wise, does that where, where does that sit? But I would I would agree. Brenningstool for me yeah. is more interesting. Um, that also means though, like Antonio Williams, who's been out or who missed last game, is is he out again? Uh, type That's of great. thing. That is a tougher. This Notre Dame Clemson game is a lower scoring game so i can see why a boarding ham is is interesting for sure yeah um i probably wouldn't have much to be honest of both uh, i would be more interested in like uh props them for them yeah. in terms of you know can i find do they put a low on you know low total for yards or receptions maybe um that is a interesting way to attack those those two but yeah any any final receivers you like i mean it's weird. I think there's some options out there, but it's just the Oklahoma State guys I need to hear some more info on. Um, and then it just seems like a lot of JMU, which is what yeah. it is. Yeah. I There's one guy who there's no reason why I should trust him, but seeing his name so cheap has me has me uh, wavering just a little bit. But Kevin Coleman uh, for Louisville, I mean, he hasn't done anything, but he looked good early in the year. Um, it makes me think that, you know, maybe he's not 100% or maybe there's some some other stuff going on behind the scenes. Um, but just hasn't gotten the usage down the stretch that I thought he would. Um, he's coming in at, I believe, 3,600 uh, this week, which is quite a, a fall from grace. He was usually around 5,000 earlier in the season. Now, look at that compared to what Thrash is. But 
Um, I I could see myself, you know, playing five ten percent of of a guy like that. Yeah, they kind of use those um, tertiary receivers in a weird way. It's like they kind of rotate which one maybe gets more targets than the others. It's not Completely. like one has really jumped out yeah. as a, a more used option, which makes things a little bit difficult. You're kind of playing whack-a-mole of sorts when you're putting your lineups together week over week of which got to go yeah. with. Um, yeah, I, I I don't know if there's much, much more to add here. Maybe Lad McConkey. You know, if this Missouri game is a shootout, if they if Missouri can put up points, I think Lab McConkey's in a great spot. I think you have to stack Carson Beck, and he would McConkey would be the best option. Um, although you don't have to twist my arm hard to get like a guy like Dominic Lovett in my lineup, yeah. probably if if I'm Completely. using Beck. So yeah, I think that's all right. right. I think we've rattled off enough options for the weekend. The age-old question. I don't know if you asked it to yourself last week. Oh, I did. I did you? Man, I, I forgot it. You know, that was... I totally forgot in week eight, and that is completely <laughs> my bad. I realized it after the fact. Are we using or or forcing two quarterbacks in our lineups? Um. Well, so last week was fun because it was the first time in a few weeks that I thought, hey, it's, it's definitely a feasible not two-quarterback week last week. And I am going to say again this week, I am okay not forcing that as a hard, fast rule. Um, I do think that I'm still going to have, you know, 80, 85% that are going to have two quarterbacks in there. Um, But I think there are enough guys mid-range. I think one thing that DraftKings has done a really good job of this year in pricing is they priced up those kind of mid-tier quarterbacks so that the value quarterbacks really do feel like a bit of a sacrifice. And then they've, they've lowered some of the receivers all to be around that, you know, 6,500 kind of sweet spot um, for those high volume receivers, maybe not the best matchup. So um, I really am okay with uh, maybe playing an extra running back this week. Um, I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, Jamming in an extra high press running back while, you know, picking one value running back and one value receiver to kind of offset things. Um, But what about you? Are you, uh, you playing, multiple uh, quarterbacks uh i'm not forcing it i'm with you i think you hit it right on the head um but i would i the caveat here would be if i'm going one quarterback it's to fit in a stud running back it's not to fit in a stud it's not to fit in a receiver so if you're using a optimizer like the solver you can actually go in and put like what players can you put in for a super flex i would uncheck receiver because yeah the receiver group is interesting, but it's not enough for me to kind of sacrifice with, you know, going one over one instead of two quarterbacks. So I'm not forcing it. Last week, it was a weird one. I like, I had to usually, I make sure a heavy majority of my lineups, like I'm talking, you know, you said 80, 85%. I think you said, I was like, if it's in around 90%, I'm fine. Right. Cause there's those weird one-offs. I was getting like yeah. 130% quarterbacks meaning like 60 to 65 percent yeah. <laughs> it was crazy so i had to force it just because yeah um but yeah so I, i'm i'm not requiring it i think the running backs are really a healthy amount of options there and but yeah i think this should be a fun slate we'll see what happens i'm gonna only throw a couple of lineups in but i certainly will be paying attention the wedding is on friday which is interesting okay uh, not quite it's, it's great also because we're doing an open bar on saturday mm. 
So that will add to the fun of watching college football. But that's the, best, the best way to do it. Oh, and it's going to be a bunch of buddies I haven't seen in a while too. So it's just going to be a, it's just going to be a goat rodeo. A clown I've got, show. I've got one, one off topic question to, to kind of close things out though. Off of okay. that. So how big of a, a football aficionado do they know? Do your friends outside of, you know, the football community feel you are? I, I don't think people realize how much I get into it until yeah. this year because I've been doing those videos for Unabated. Totally, and so yeah. they're like, wait, you actually like, do people know who you are? And I'm like, I mean, some <laughs> people know. Like, I'm not like known like ESPN guys or something, right? But like yeah. people that play college fantasy football know me just like they know, you know, other members of uh, the campus Canton team. But yeah, uh, they were like, what is all, the, what are these videos that you're doing on Instagram and stuff? <laughs> So a little bit more. And, you know, I went to a wedding in Savannah in September and the, I saw the groom for the first time at Friday night, like at the kind of like the post rehearsed dental par dinner party. Yeah. And he was like, dude, I'm so sorry that you're here instead of like the biggest college football <laughs> weekend of the year so far. So like, I they you. definitely know that I'm like, dude, like I'm cursing them under my breath while they're saying their vows. For sure. I always feel like there's a bit of watering down the uh, fandom and intensity of how much I get into it around, uh, around the normal folk. But uh, that's, that's just me. I, I needed to make sure I wasn't alone in that, in that regard. Oh yeah. I mean, a, a family is different than friends though, for sure. Like yeah. I think around family, you really tone it down. You don't want to look like a crazy person, but like <laughs> a lot of my friends gamble, yeah. like gamble, gamble, you know, at least I'm playing fancy and props and stuff, which is a little bit different. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, they're right in there in the thick of it too. So you're, you're healthy compared to those guys. Yeah. I look <laughs> great. My wife's like, man, don't ever get like that. And I'm like, whew. That's hilarious. So, anyways, awesome. but Hope everybody enjoyed uh, this week's Campus to Caching. If you have not checked out the different offerings over at campustocanton.com, do so. Everything is covered between CFF to DFS to uh, C2C, obviously, to Devi. I mean, the information that's out there is crazy from a bunch of different minds, which is always great. You get different opinions from different people uh, and different backgrounds. So check it out. There's the Winning Edge subscription as well if you want to go even further into the land of degeneracy. Um, plenty of options. So hope you guys enjoyed it. Enjoy the weekend. And we'll catch you next week.